Hello, hello. Welcome to the Making a Marketer podcast, the marketing show for all levels of experience with the best guests in the industry. Get ready to learn and laugh. Here we go with your hosts, Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing and Jen Cole with Social Media Examiner. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 46 of the Making a Marketer podcast. I am Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing, and my co-host here is Jen Cole. Hi, Jen. How are you? Oh, hey, Megan. I feel like I've been talking to you all day long. It's been amazing. I'm having a wonderful day. (laughs) Yeah, so on that note, I guess I'll share that um, I am now contract staffer with Social Media Examiner. So Jen's now my boss. (laughs) (laughs) which is fun. I mean, you know, for a fraction of my week in terms of how clients go, I'm pretty excited to have Social Media Examiner as a client now. So we're just getting underway. I'm pretty excited. It's going to be good. Megan, I can tell you on behalf of everybody, and I know that you've already seen a lot of this, but we are so excited to have you. It's going to be so much fun. And you've already been wonderful. So I'm excited to have you on my team. Me too. So our guest today is none other than the Mark Schaefer. Hi, Mark. How are you? I've become the Mark Schaefer? You are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're one of the Schaefers, but you're the Mark Schaefer. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll take it. I'll take it with grace. Thank you. Of course. Uh, trying to come up with a name or a topic for the show is a little difficult because there's a million things we can talk about. And going into a new year, and this being our last show of 2019, I figured we'd just talk in, in general about marketing, about your marketing rebellion book thoughts and research and just kind of try to help our listeners enter into a new year with maybe a fresh perspective and some things to think about. So I I will say first. I think I can deliver that. Well, we know you can. And that's why we're so delighted that you could take the time to join us. I know it's a busy holiday season and you have a lot going on. So um, we really appreciate it. Okay, so this show is sponsored by Powers of Marketing. We provide strategic marketing development and execution for small to medium-sized businesses and looking forward to a great new year ahead. Okay, I'm going to give Mark's bio. He is Executive Director of Schaefer Marketing Solutions. He's a keynote speaker, marketing consultant, author of Marketing Rebellion, among many other books. Seven now, is that what you're up to? Eight, really. Wow. Eight. Oh, okay. my gosh. Awesome. Put it counting. <laughs> All right. And then he's an executive branding coach. Mark's company offers consulting services, training, corporate workshops, and strategy development with an emphasis in social media, content marketing, and digital marketing strategy. His services stand out because of his deep experience across many industries, his ability to connect the dots between strategy and reality, and his background in organizational development, which allows him to design strategies that are practical and achievable. He works with a variety of companies, ranging from Fortune 500 companies to startups and solo entrepreneurs. We met, I believe it was my first social media marketing world in 2014, and you as a speaker were kind enough to do one of the lunch and learn kind of little sessions. And basically, you said, ask me anything. And then my friend Peg and I sat with you and crazy that that's, we're coming up on six years since that. And then this is funny because I think this goes to some of what you talk about in your book and the Maya Angelou quote, like they won't remember what you said, but they'll remember how they made you feel. And that's kind of how I feel. You blew my socks off at your closing keynote three years ago, right? Social media marketing world? Uh, yeah, I think I did 2016 and then 
2019. I, I was the closing mm-hmm. keynote both of those years. But it's funny too, because I went back looking through my phone to find the slides that I took pictures of, but I couldn't, I couldn't find them. But I, because I was like, I left that feeling so energized and I loved it, but I couldn't, I couldn't remember exactly what it was. So it's That's because I'm an impact player. I love it. That's right. Yeah. All right. So I think Jen is going to kick us off with the first question of the hour. Yeah. So, you know, diving into your past keynotes along with your book, and you were just in Wichita a few weeks ago talking to us about all of this. So being a human is a big thing. So being quote human doesn't have a direct ROI. So how do marketers convince their bosses or clients that being more human and focusing more on the already loyal fans will help drive the bottom line? Well, maybe you can and maybe you can't. I'm always concerned when I hear that word convince. Look, I've been really lucky to work with a lot of great companies and a lot of great leaders. And most leaders, they want to be relevant. The reason they've been so successful is because they've been adaptable. Right. They can adapt, they can adopt. And so, you know, sometimes I think it's just a matter of maybe some executive education. Maybe it's really telling a customer story about how they appreciated something the company did that was more personal or more human. You know, we, you know we're talking about this book I wrote, Marketing Rebellion, and it's having a profound impact. I mean, it's sort of blowing me away. I mean, I got a, an email yesterday from a company in Texas. They said, we are creating our 2020 marketing strategy based on your book. And that's happening a lot. So I don't really know if there's going to necessarily be a lot of resistance because it just makes so much sense. (laughs) You know, we're built to connect in a human way. We don't like being abused by technology. We don't like being interrupted. We don't be like being annoyed by robocalls. So it's time to sort of get not so preoccupied with the MarTech stack and technology and get back to the roots of serving our customers in the way they want to be served because they're in control. Awesome. I think there's a lot to be said about um, everybody feeling that way. I mean, we can all put ourselves in, in that seat of being sure. the one consuming the content. Yeah. I mean, Jen, that's a really good point because to be a great marketer, sometimes you have to think like a customer first. Right. Yeah. And look, if it's, if it's something that you would hate, then don't do it. <laughs> Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> that's a good standard. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, actually, that's a great segue into my question that I had. Since And you, you kind of already have talked to this, but, but maybe we can dig a little deeper. Since you published Marketing Rebellion in February of this year, have you been able to help your clients move the needle based on the surprising findings? And as you said, our, our customers are the marketing department, which I think a lot of CMOs may, may push back on. But what are you seeing in terms of results for your customers? Well, it's been really, really interesting because one of the things that I I say in every book, in every speech, I say it every chance I get, and it's that I can't tell anybody what to do. I don't tell you what to do in the book, and I don't tell you what to do in my speeches. But what I do is sort of like lay out a map and say, here's where the world is going, and here are some different routes that you can take. You know, whenever I meet with clients, I just take a very humble attitude because these people know the business, they're experts, and I'm not. But, you know, there are common things I can do as a consultant to sort of explore where they are, where they need to be, maybe ask the right questions to expose some opportunities. You know, there's no such thing as a common strategy or a cookie cutter plan at least not for me. So when I go in and help customers, it involves a lot of listening. 
It involves a lot of research. Great marketing starts with research, talking to customers, assessing competitors. So yeah, I mean, I've definitely been able to do a lot with different clients. They've been very, very open. And um, and the book's opened up a lot of opportunities. They, they People have read the book or they've heard one of my speeches and they say, Mark, we need you. You know, come on in. And, you know, this fall was the busiest fall of my life. And a lot of it was because of the the opportunities opened up by the book and how it just had an incredibly powerful and positive impact on people. That's amazing. Yeah, I have had some business where the customers said, well, no, no one else had these upfront costs, you know, which of course were for my time to do an audit and research and, and put together a strategy. And so that's not a customer I want to work with. For sure, if, you, yeah. if you're not willing to dedicate that time up front to do the research and to try to figure out, obviously, they're making a change that something's not been going the way that they wanted it to. Well, so. you know, I, I had an example a couple of years ago. I was bidding on a, I wasn't really bidding. I just, they asked me for a proposal and, you know, the, these two big, you know, national advertising agencies came in and they said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And I came in and I said, I don't know what I'm going to do and neither do you. Because you don't have a strategy. So first thing we're going to do is figure out your strategy. Nobody can tell you what to do. And honestly, taking that sort of humble approach has won the business for me every time because it just, it makes sense. That would definitely be the kind of person that I want to work for, somebody who genuinely wants to move the needle, who genuinely wants to get invested and come up with an actual strategy instead of just throwing at a dartboard. You know, I think that's, so that's, I mean, that's one of the biggest problems in our industry is a lot of people are busy. It's hard to find good people. And so the easiest thing is to try to create these, you know, one size fits all strategy for mm-hmm. Facebook ads, for SEO, for content, you know, and that's just doing a disservice to your customer. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just never going to happen. Right. Um, <laughs> so one thing that really stuck out, you showed an amazing example in your keynote. And then when you came back to Wichita a few weeks ago, the really powerful example where the customer is telling the story, like, you know, the user generated content thing. And so many marketers say that they have a hard time finding the story behind their brands. What would you say to them to inspire fresh ideas? Well, you know, one of the things I talk about is customers, you know, they may not care about your story. They care about their story. Yeah. (laughs) And I, I think one of the things that's really overplayed today is this whole idea of the brand story and the brand narrative and branded content. If you think about, you know, this is going to sound, I'm going to sound like a heretic because this is not what most marketing consultants say, (laughs) but think about all the thousands of things you buy in a year, you know, everything from pens, light bulbs, meatloaf. I don't know how I came up with meatloaf. I'm hungry. It's at the end of the day. Um, You might, you might buy a planter for your house. You might buy a car wash. You might stop at the airport and buy a hamburger. Thousands and thousands and thousands of things. And a very, very small percentage of those things that we buy are associated with a brand story or a brand narrative yeah, or meaning or purpose or branded content. Who cares? And it's one of the things that's it's really sort of driving me crazy these days. I saw this quote about, you know, somebody on LinkedIn said marketing is about building these close relationships and blah, blah, blah. You know what? I just want to be left alone. 
generally. Okay, yeah. Uh, I don't really, I don't really need a relationship with your pillow company, sure. or you know the people who's making my picture frame, right? I don't right. know. I don't care. I don't want to be on your mailing list. Just leave me alone. Now, branding is, is is important. It is, and I don't need to minimize that. Branding is more important than ever as we try to stand out in this very, very noisy world. But I also want to emphasize those good old four Ps of marketing still work really well. You know, maybe you buy something because it's delivered to you in a better way, because you've got a coupon, you know, at a point of purchase display Mm -hmm. and you need, you know, you need that ladder right now. I don't care about the story of the company and the ladder, just need a ladder. So I think sometimes we get into too much navel gazing in marketing these days where, you know, we're, we're thinking about what is our meaning and what is our purpose? And really sometimes our customers, they just want a good deal. They just want a hamburger that tastes good. Nice. It's true. I do. Me too. Again, I'm hungry. Legitimately. I'm hungry. (laughs) Well, and that's one of the things I think that stood out to me in, in marketing rebellion is that, the research shows that people are buying based on price, which is something that I have heard for years. Like if you're trying to sell on price, that's a, that's a loss leader. Like you're not going to, you you shouldn't, you shouldn't even try. Well, I mean, I, maybe I, I don't really me- remember Part what you might be referring to in my book. I mean, some of the things I said in my book is that, you know, well, if customer you, shop around, that was the thing. Well, customers shop around, yeah. but it's, that's, it's, it's not necessarily just on price. And, you know, increasingly uh, brands are built not on advertising impressions, but on human impressions. And the sort of the signature story of the book is the soap story, where I tell this story about this young woman who didn't buy a national brand like Ivory or Dove or, you know, Irish Spring or something like that. She bought soap from a local family owned business and she paid 10 times more. She, it was just the opposite of, of shopping by price. She shopped around because she loved this family. That's why she bought this. It was the human impression, the human connection. That's what's lacking in so much marketing today. We're, miss, we're forgetting about emotion. We're forgetting about you know, basic, fundamental, foundational human needs. And you know, this young woman went on to tell me how she loved this family and they're creating a sustainable business and they're using local products. And she said, God, they're buying honey from a farm, you know, right down the road from me. And these people are showing up at our community meetings and our maker movement and they're helping us. And so she's not buying it because it's lemon scented. She's not buying it because it cleans better or because she got a coupon. She's buying it because great marketing is about creating that emotion. And increasingly, that emotion is toward a person, not a jingle, not even a product. And I think all of us can name lots of things that we buy, that we support, because we love the people that are part of the business. And that's really the future of marketing. Yes, 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 to all that. Okay, so you call loyal fans an alpha audience. So what do you think is the best way that we, as, as marketers, can mobilize those fans to market for us. So now I know I asked this question knowing that there's not a silver bullet, but that's one of the one of the big takeaways for me was that 
we should be spending more of our time on on those people who are already our loyal fans. Yeah, the the alpha audience was a concept that I raised in the content code book, which is still a super popular book and and, and really more relevant than ever because the problem that the content code book solves is how do we stand out in this world of overwhelming content and information. And the main theme of the book is, well, the economic value of content that's not seen and shared is zero. So we've got to develop a marketing competency to get that content to move. And so you know, part of the low-hanging fruit is this idea that I talk about is it's the alpha audience. These are the people who are already sharing your content. Now, for most businesses, we're not talking about millions of people here. It might be dozens of people. And so whenever I talk about this idea, you know, I've given this talk all around the world and I ask every audience, every company that I visit, do you know who is sharing your content by name? Because those are the people who are delivering the economic value to your marketing program. If your content isn't getting shared and seen, you're wasting your money. It's just sitting on a website someplace. And the statistics, which you know, the, this research is, is shown everywhere, about 80% of the content on a B2B website is never seen. That's pathetic. That's just wasting your money. And so we've got to think about ignition. That is the customer being the marketer. When a customer shares your content, that's advocacy. That's organic brand advocacy. That's better than any ad you could ever take out. And yet most companies are completely ignoring that this idea of content ignition. They're just publishing because they're afraid not to. They're spending more and more money on content that's not going anywhere. And you've got to focus on ignition. It's got to be a core piece of your marketing strategy. When, how do you ignite? I mean, I know it's a big question, but... Yeah, I mean, I I wrote a whole book about that. (laughs) 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 I mean, so we already talked about a few of those ideas. I mean, number one is branding, that if you are recognized and you create that emotion and you're beloved, one of the reasons they share content is because they just love this organization they, or they love this person and they want to help them. You know, another way to, to ignite content. I mean, I've, I've got hundreds and hundreds of different ideas in the book, but, you know, we talked about the alpha audience, connecting, rewarding, acknowledging, nurturing. Rewarding. Yeah, okay. You know, yeah, this, this audience who's already sharing the content. I think you need to look at the type of content. A lot of people don't really create content that's ready to be shared, that is really connecting with the audience. So early in the book, I list lots of ideas of how to create content. It could be something as simple as, you know, putting the number 10 in a headline. Now, I know that sounds weird, but if you have a headline with a number 10 in it, it gets shared like 40% more than other content. So it's just being smart and making content ignition part of your practice, which a lot of businesses, unfortunately, aren't doing today. Right. Well, and there, you can surprise and delight them, and which will get them to share, right, and that kind of thing. I think Chewy is the brand that I hear the most about that, that does that, mm-hmm. the dog food and supply company. I mean, everyone's doing their marketing for them because they are so good in the customer experience side of, of things, which as we talked with our friend, Dan Gingas is marketing. Customer experience is marketing. Yeah, so. increasingly that is truly the case. I, I agree with, with Dan. And 
we need to look at the entire customer experience. And that's, you know, that's, that's a different mindset than the way most marketers are, are uh, geared to operate today. For sure. Okay, so we're about halfway. We like to do a little brain break, and it's usually related to the holiday at hand or what's going on. So my question for everyone is, what's something you're going to do for you, just for you, over the holidays and as we enter into a new decade? I'll let Jen answer first since she already saw the question. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I am doing something that I haven't done in over a year, and it's simple, kind of. And, but it's very, very exciting for me. So t- tomorrow, for the very first time in a very long time, I'm going to get my hair cut and colored. I'm going to take time away from my laptop, and I'm going to go get my hair done. And I'm so excited. You bring it back the bangs? I'm bringing back the bangs. <laughs> I am so glad you asked. I am bringing the bangs back. Yes. It's going to be great. I love it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Mark, what are you going to do for you? Well, I am going to employ almost a a total disconnect, I think. I've had a very, very busy year and I need to recharge my batteries. And um, a hobby that I took up recently is watercolor painting. And so I seem to be kind of good at it. (laughs) It's just sort of a natural thing. And I've got a lot to learn. Uh, (laughs) It's a very, very difficult art form. Um, but it's really a great challenge. There's kind of a, a strategy behind watercolor painting that's that's very different than other types of art that you can create. So it's it's a great, it's an intellectual challenge. It's and and so I've it's been a lot of fun, and I'll be doing that a little bit a little bit every day. Wow, that is really cool. That's awesome. Well, and I think art it's so cathartic for me at least. Anything art related, anything creative that's not work related, I feel like it's a a great outlet. Um, even like an adult coloring book, I find to be really soothing. And did you know very cool that if you go to my website and you go to the Marketing Rebellion site on my website, you can download a free Marketing Rebellion coloring book. What I saw that, that last night. Awesome. Yeah, it's that's true. so awesome. <laughs> I like to do that on airplane rides. Like I like to do the coloring on airplane. If I'm not, if I'm done reading, I want to color or listen to music and color. It's so fun. So maybe on the way to social media marketing world, I will be coloring my marketing rebellion. Maybe we will have a, maybe we will have a contest between you two. (laughs) Oh, that would be fun. (laughs) I see you. I'm down. All right. All right. Yeah, I've only used it as a thing when I've been feeling blue. So, but I need to make it something that's so it's not reactive. It's more something I'm proactive about. So, um, I'm gonna actually read. I've been super busy too. It's been a crazy few months with work, and I've got this stack of books that and now and now I just downloaded Audible, and I've got an Audible book to read. I've got I marks that I need to finish, and you know, talk triggers Jay's book. I've got like these books that are just sitting there waiting for me. And it sounds like work, right? Like reading workbooks, but <laughs> for me, it'll be, it'll, it'll be really nice to like, just put the screen away and, and read. Yeah. Real. I think you'll come back to 2020 with some, with some fresh ideas and be inspired. I think that's awesome. Yeah, that too. I, I, yeah. Obviously a side effect of it will be, um, hopefully I'll be able to be better for my clients um, yeah. with all the ideas and motivation and all that kind of good stuff. 
Awesome. Okay, Jen, you want to kick off the second half? Most definitely. So, you know, I feel like, Mark, you work with different tiers of, of business owners and CEOs and, and things like that. So there's always different strategies and different ways to go about telling a story. And, and we've, we've talked a little bit about storytelling, but there, there are marketers who don't believe that high quality content is in their budget. So what would you suggest to these people? Well, I mean, again, you're making an assumption that you need high quality content. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe you, maybe, maybe you don't. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, so let me give you, so let me give you an example. So, you know, the big thing that, that, that almost every content marketing person overlooks is that content marketing strategy doesn't begin with, with content. It begins with an assessment of where is your opportunity to maneuver. This is the talk I'm going to give at Social Media Marketing World in 2020. Sweet. And it's about really winning the war for attention. So creating super, super high quality content, that could be a strategy. But, you know, so let me give you an example where a leading indicator of content saturation in a niche is domain authority. Domain authority is a sort of a secret number that Google assigns to every website. And the more content and the more rich content you have on this website, typically the higher the domain is and the higher the number is, the more traffic you're going to get. I recently did a strategy for a company. They said, we want to create content. We want to do blogging. I said, well, let's do an assessment of your industry. It's a very fragmented industry. The top three companies in her industry blew my mind. They had domain authority scores of like 70. That is world-class. Wow. She had a domain authority of 14. Now, without even looking at their site, I could predict they had so much content to get to a 70. Mm -hmm. One of her competitors had 11 blogs, not 11 blog posts, 11 blogs. Wow. Right? That's amazing. And she, now, she wants to start blogging. Is she going to win this race by a blog? (laughs) No. Game over. It's done. She's got to find another way to maneuver. So maybe you don't need high quality content. Maybe you need something else. Maybe you need to get out and give speeches. Mm -hmm. One of the things we we determined that she could do is create a curated newsletter of highlights of the industry every week. Nobody was doing that. So you've got to look where you can maneuver. Now, let's look at the other example. Let's say you're in an industry that has no competition. There's nobody creating content. You're all alone. Do you need to create Game of Thrones content? No. You need to create Google-sufficient content, right? To fill that niche and win the SEO battle. Maybe someday you'll need to create high-quality content, but not every business needs to create high-quality content. That's not essential in every strategy. You have to look at the the market is going to tell you what your strategy is. There's a difference between high-volume... And high quality though, right? Oh. Like you don't want to put out crap. Yeah. I just, wanted to, I just wanted to qualify. Well, I mean, if, I mean, there, there is a business case for crap. I know you hate to hear that, but <laughs> let me have a scenario for you. So okay. we are now in this era where you can create computer generated content. No question. It, it hasn't been widely adopted yet, but I mean, I've seen computer generated movie scripts. So. Here, here's a perfect example, actually. Christopher Penn, a great friend of mine, wonderful marketer, he does videos, right? 
and he has this little AI application that transcribes his video into text for free. He takes this transcription, he posts it on his site, and he says, hey, there could be some errors in here. This is an AI-generated transcript. And if you read it, it's, it's terrible, right? It doesn't get all the words right, uh -huh. but it really helps his SEO because he's got the video and he's got the text. Is this great content? The video is great content. Is the transcription great content? No, but it's sufficient. It accomplishes his goals. If he would spend an extra hour editing that thing, it wouldn't be worth it to him. So, I mean, we need to take a more practical and realistic view of what really works in the world. We're entering an era where robots are going to, you know, bots are going to do a perfectly fine job creating content for us. And that will work for many businesses. There might be some businesses that are built on authority where you're going to need something exceptional and it'll have to be human-based. But, you know, really for, for a lot of businesses, sort of okay Google sufficient content may be what you need. I, again, I hate to sound like a heretic, but it's, a, it's, a, it, 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 it's look, it's a balance. You know, if I'm in an unsaturated content niche, I would ha rather have a thousand okay blog posts than one episode of Game of Thrones. Gotcha. Absolutely. All right. So it's funny you mentioned bots because my very next planned question <laughs> I was, about chat, was about chatbots. <laughs> so, it, and it's funny because I, that kind of my original take was that they seem sort of like opposite to, uh, to advocating of being, being more human and our interactions with customers and prospects. But if done right, I think, as you just said, they work. And I think that they can help us get more personal in creating conversations with our customers, at least to start, right? So what's your take on, on bots in, in general and the, the way that they're being used right now versus how they, how they could be? Well, I, th I think we're entering a very interesting era. The, I mean, the research is showing that consumers generally like bots. They're okay with it. There isn't like some negative reaction. Bots can significantly enhance the consumer experience. I mean, if you have customer service that is terrible, all you need to do is get one notch above terrible and the bot's doing a good job. It's, you know, it's, right. it's better than using humans. So, you know, the technology is getting better. The prices are coming down. Yeah, I think we're on the, on the cusp of really a, a real tidal wave of, of bot use happening in the next couple of years. Yeah, well, and I, doing them well, I think is something that might be heresy to you <laughs> because just doing them is good enough. But I do think that there's that you have to write like a human and, and like sort of anticipating the questions that people are going to, again, like you said before, getting into your customer's shoes and, and talking like a person talks. Is, yeah, I mean, is I'm not anti, I mean, I'm not anti quality. If I was, I know anti I if I was anti-quality, you, you wouldn't be talking to me right now because I would have wrote a crappy book. Um, I know, I know. I, I, I just I, had to reference back to that. <laughs> I, I, you know, it is an important distinction because my strategy is not to win SEO. I can't win SEO because it's already saturated. I'm a digital marketing consultant. How many digital marketing consultants are there? A bajillion. Am I ever going to win the search results? No. So I've got to do something else. I got to win by authority. And that only comes from excellent, superb, relevant, interesting content. So, you know, quality does matter, but it just depends 
on your strategy. And certainly quality will, will definitely matter for, for bots or you're going to have people abandoning your site. Yeah, for sure. And I th- do think that people get frustrated. I know I get frustrated when I think I'm down a path of where I'm going to get the answer that I need. And then it ends up being, yeah, it's just a bot and it's, and they don't have the solution for me and there's not a human available. So um, that can be frustrating. And I definitely, I definitely wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have definitely be prepared to fill that gap for sure. If you're mm-hmm. going to have a bot, I feel like you need to be able to have that human backup in the moment, because if you don't get it in the moment, then they're probably going to go away and not come back. So human elements are really important and being prepared. So speaking of that, why do you believe, I mean, we talk a lot about transparency and the human element, why, why is it that you think that these things are so important to acknowledge and to embrace and to nurture in a successful marketing strategy? So you're talking about embracing transparency? Is that the question? Yeah, transparency and the, hel- the human element. Well, it's really what we, what we want in, in our hearts. You know, we, we sort of set up this false wall between us and our customers. You know, if you think about how most commerce has been done in human history, it's all been personal. It's been face-to-face. You know, up until the 1920s or 1930s, really, you bought from local butchers and, you know, you, you soap was, you know, carved into blocks right in the shop for you. Mm-hmm. And then we got into mass marketing in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and mass advertising. And it worked really, really well. But now we're kind of going back. Customers never lost that desire to to connect in a human way. But we got into this mass media world where they weren't really given a choice anymore. Today, they do have a choice. And if you look at the, the awesome young companies that are coming up that are disrupting, all their marketing is based on you know, the customer experience. Mm-hmm. It's based on you know just creating some human connection. Right. I was uh, talking to a friend of mine who bought some gear. He was going to be going on a hike. And the guy from the equipment company where he bought the gear called him up. And he said, well, I, I, you know, I, I, I bought the, you know, I saw that you bought this gear. It looks like you're preparing for, you know, a, an outdoor adventure. And I just wanted to see, you know, what do you do? Where are you going? And turns out this guy had been to the same place. And he said, well, you know, I found that, you know, they get a lot of rain up there. And, and there's this pair of socks that works so well for me. I'm just going to send you the pair of socks. I think you'll really like them. So, I mean, this guy was just blown away. And he, and is he going to, he, he'll never shop anywhere else. Right. It's like businesses try to do today is take people out. They want to reduce their costs. Mm-hmm. And we're going into this human-centered marketing era that's not cheap and it's not easy. And there aren't shortcuts. You've got to roll up your sleeves. You've got to meet people face-to-face. You got to create events, create experiences, generate word of mouth marketing, call them up, connect with them, talk to them, visit their, your customers, really get to know them. And, you know, that's the way business in most of history, that's how it's been run. This has been the exception of the world history, not the rule. And we need to get back to those more personal times. And we will because we have to. Because those are the companies that are going to win. (laughs) 
It's, this has been pretty amazing, the segues, because that's exactly face to face is what I was, it was my, kind of my next thing. So my main vertical mark is the meetings and events industry. So I'm super passionate about face to face experiences and the importance of, of that for not not just transactional sales, but for, you know, establishing those relationships and really for building on them year, year over year for, especially in B2B for those people that you continue to see. And you, so you say that in, in Marketing Rebellion, how marketers should get out of the digital realm and get out and talk to customers again. So I think for a lot of people, they feel like um, that is, has been more of the sales role. But so what do you, what do you think, what does that look like for you in terms of face-to-face? Like just, Asking for appointments or or holding events, going to more events. Like, what does that look like to you? And what's the number one piece of advice that you would give our listeners as we enter into 2020 with regards to this? Well, I mean, one of I think the most interesting stories in my book was a tale that was related to me by Martin Lindstrom. Martin is really kind of a marketing hero of mine. He's one of the most brilliant marketers I think on the planet, and he told the story of when he gave a a speech in New York City at some global marketing conference, and he he gave it in front of 5,000 marketing executives. And he said, raise your hand if you have had a face-to-face discussion with one of your customers this year. And out of 5,000 marketers, 19 people raised their hand. Now, the marketing profession is under attack right now marketing jobs are going away. We see this in the news all the time. CMO positions at many, many big companies are being cut. They're just cutting the whole role. And one of the reasons is because the way we've been doing marketing has become irrelevant in our culture. We've become too obsessed with technology. We we don't want to go out and visit customers. We want to sit and look at a dashboard all day. We want to look at Twitter mentions or Facebook likes. There's been tons of research that shows that information you can get from social media listening platforms does not reflect your customer reality. It's mm-hmm. it's very skewed in bizarre ways. And you're, you're never going to get ahead with your product. You're never going to find some point of differentiation that you can leverage in your industry if you don't get out and see what your competitors are doing and see what your customers are doing. So, you know, to me, it's really simple because the evidence would show most marketers don't see their customers at all. And I don't really care how you do it. You know, call them on the phone, go to a conference, buy a plane ticket and go visit them if it's a high dollar value item, but you know, you got to reconnect and you got to ask questions. You got, you have to listen intently because that's where your competitive advantage is going to come from, not from a social media dashboard. I agree wholeheartedly. And I think that's also an, an HR thing, right? Like making sure we put the right people in the right seats and, you know, having those people who are willing to to do that and get personal, I think is, is going to be a big thing as we move forward. All right. So Two final things. One is, what's the best way to reach you for our listeners? I'm pretty, I'm pretty easy to find. If you can remember, businessesgrow.com. Businessesgrow, uh, you can find my blog there, which is now in its 12th year. Wow. I have a podcast there uh, called Marketing Companion that I do with the amazing Brooke Sellis. And oh, yeah. uh, 
I've been doing that show. We're going to be into eighth year, I think. And Brooke took over the, as a co-host in March, and she's been doing an amazing job. And you can find my books and, and lots of other resources there. If you can remember, businessesgrow.com. Awesome. Perfect. And of course, we'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, and then one final thing, because we know you you have to go, you have some um, you have some gifts to give out and some Santa action to <laughs> to do. Um, what are you? What one thing that you're hot on these days in terms of gadgets, apps, any kind of tech, non tech? What's something that that's um, helping you in your life these days? I just got a a Christmas gift from my friend Michelle Joyce. And when I opened the box, I literally laughed out loud. It's a little hook that you put on the tray in an airline seat. You put it on the tray on the seat in front of you. And it's a hook that holds your iPad in place. <laughs> awesome. And it also holds a drink. And it's, a simple, it's a simple little thing. And, and I mean, that is such a frustration trying to, you know, watch something on an iPad in a little, you know, especially a little airplane. And I got that and I just laughed out loud that that's such an appropriate gift for a, uh, for a constant traveler. So that's, that's my, that's my, or... that's, that's my <laughs> new favorite thing. It's a little piece of plastic. It's my new favorite thing. I love it. I love it. Well, and that's why I, I qualified. It didn't have to be technology. It would be just a cool, cool, cool little gadget. Well, that's perfect. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for taking the time um, to be with us. I know that our listeners will get a ton out of, of value out of this show. And we wish you an awesome, relaxing close to 2019 and, and a big bang. <laughs> Start to 2020. It is going to be a big bang. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on your show. Absolutely. And thank you to Jen, awesome co-host. All right. So this has been episode... 46 of Making a Marketer, and we will catch you next time.